Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now back to the week that was with Joe Palmisano. Our number two of the week that was, and uh, John O'Connor is uh, was a practicing as an experienced trial lawyer. He practiced in San Francisco uh, since 1972. He has practiced. Uh, he has tried cases in federal court throughout the country. He serves in a, uh, served as an assistant U.S. attorney in Northern California. Some of his uh, memorable events were writing the Fifth Amendment and State of Mind briefs for the prosecution of the, in the United States versus Patricia Hurst, if you remember that. He represented Coach Don Nelson in his litigation with Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. And most of all, in this case, he represented uh, Mark Felt, who was uh, regarded as and is, was, deep throat and john has written a book that uh details his representation of deep throat or mark felt and the and the title of the book is postgate how the washington post betrayed deep throat covered up watergate and began today's partisan advocacy journalism it is uh, a great book details everything that went on and john thank you so much for being with me today hey joe it's great to great to talk to you yeah we've been emailing back and forth and it's great to hear your voice and and talk with you john i I think the first thing we need to do is for for those who are listening who don't remember (laughs) we 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 need to go back to the watergate events during the nixon nixon uh, administration and re-explain who Deep Throat was, what he did, and who he turned out to be. Well, Joe, uh, real uh, as quickly as I can, the burglars were caught. Uh, five burglars were caught in the Democratic National Committee headquarters on uh, June seventeenth, nineteen seventy-two. Uh, soon, their two supervisors were also caught. One that had a part-time White House job by the name of Howard Hunt. One who was, had gone from the White House to the committee to reelect the president, Gordon Liddy, uh, and the investigation started. Now, the Watergate burglary did not exactly move the meter for against the president or for the Democrats for a number of months. And the investigation and the interest in it kind of stalled. Uh, Bob Woodward and, and Carl Bernstein of the Washington Post had reported on it quite uh, voluminously, but no, it, it did not move the needle. It was interesting, but it didn't move the needle. People went ho-hum. Okay, it's a burglary. It was called the third-rate burglary. No big deal. Um, for whatever reason, and we now know why, Mark Felt, the number two man in the Justice Department, thought that the White House was keeping him from going to the grand jury with other things he was finding. It was an obstruction of justice but it was a legal one. Uh, clearly, the Department of Justice has the right to restrict investigations. Uh, at that point, he decided when he couldn't get the uh, uh, department to change his mind, the White House to change his mind, he started beating Woodward in an underground garage and 
trying to give Woodward a sense of the story of a wider campaign of spying and sabotage beyond the burglary to which the burglary would connect. And when Woodward broke those stories, I will call them the garage stories, the country was electrified. Uh, the television folks started paying attention to it. They formed what became the Watergate Committee, and the, com- the country started paying attention and immediately, well, not immediately, but over time, uh, Nixon's poll numbers started dropping. And so when Woodward wrote his best-selling book, All the President's Men, with Carl Bernstein, he featured this mysterious character named Deep Throat. No one knew who he was. He insisted on anonymity. Uh, he insisted on all these cloak-and-dagger methods where Woodward, before Woodward would beat with him so that nobody would tail him and so forth. And for the next 40 years, it was something of a mystery. Who was his deep throat? Nobody seemed to know. I did know. I figured it out through hints in the book. And as early as 1976, I knew who it was. And as a matter of fact, I was somewhat curious as to why Woodward would leave so many hints in the book. Yeah, he, kinda, he almost outed him by hints, didn't he? I say he did. And I'm surprised that I seem to be the only guy out there that figured it out, because I think anybody can figure it out if they really spent the time and thought about it the right way. But he left all these hints, and I say, why is that? Did, did he pay Deep Throat money for this? It didn't make sense to me. Later on, 25 years after I figured out who it was, I'm sitting at my dinner table with my daughter and her friends from Stanford University, and this young man, and I start talking about the FBI, because my father used to be an agent, and he said, well, Big John, you know, my grandfather may have known your father. He was in the FBI. And I said, oh, Nick, what's his name? He said, Mark Felt. <laughs> oh, no. So I said, Nick, do you know that your grandfather's deep throat? He was somewhat stunned because his grandfather had always denied it. Uh, you know, newsmen had called from time to time, and he would angrily deny it. Uh, so anyway, I went up to see Mark shortly thereafter and began the process of talking to Mark and trying to get him to admit he was deep throat and then to try to come out and tell his story. As I told him, if you don't tell it now, Woodward's going to tell it uh, uh, tell it when he when um, you're dead, and you want. And his motive was trying to keep the FBI clean. I said, you've got to explain the FBI to people. And anyway, he agreed. We ended up uh, publishing an article in Vanity Fair that was somewhat sensational. And uh, and, and you angered the Washington Post because of that. Oh, very much so. Uh, very much so. They thought somehow they owned their source, and that's what got me, Joe, is their sense of entitlement. It's a very arrogant group of people, I found. I was somewhat surprised. Here's a guy who probably made the uh, uh, paper successful, made it billions of dollars. It, the Washington Post was not back then the prestigious paper it is today. The work with Deep Throat brought it prestige, and the, the way and, and their busting of the president won it Pulitzer Prizes. But that, they were a second-tier rag uh, back when this whole thing began. And yet now here's the guy who made the paper, literally made it. And they treat him like dirt when he uh, comes out. And they get mad at me, of course, upset with me. Uh, but then what happens is, Joe, is as I am dealing with the Post over many years for various reasons, uh, uh, and I detail them in the book, they're quite juicy and quite intriguing. Yes. Uh, but 
I finally come to the conclusion that there's something fishy here. Why are they acting like this? Uh, I had to know, so I decided I'm going to start doing some research. I just like to do this kind of stuff. I did it back in 74 to 77. I'll do it, I'll do it again. So I started researching the articles they wrote. And my thought was, they're hiding something. And what I found was they indeed were hiding something in spades, in spades. They were really hiding uh, what really happened in Watergate. And so what has been heralded as the greatest victory for investigative journalism in history, and literally it had a profound effect, think about one of the strongest countries ever in the history of the world, and one of the strongest presidents gets dethroned because of a newspaper and because of investigative journalists. The journalists are so proud of this, yet what I've shown in the book is they were not telling the truth. They are telling partial truths, but they led people to believe that uh, the situation was different than it was. And really this what is- happened was, from, from reading your book, John, it sounded like, okay, these things did happen, but they left out other people or other entities that may have been involved in this also. They they selectively em- edited out certain facts. Exactly. It's like and, and I don't I don't say Nixon wasn't guilty of covering up something. Yes. He didn't know what it, he didn't know why he was covering up by the way and he didn't know who had done it and why he thought it was the silliest thing in the world. But if I'm a prosecutor and I put you on trial for murder and leave out evidence that there were four people pointing guns at you when you started shooting. That's a big fact to leave out. Yes. Now, you may have you may have killed the other guy. It may have not been justified. But there may be an explanation for it that keeps you from getting the death penalty. And that's my thing. The CIA had clearly infiltrated the White House. Uh, the Nixon White House was as much a victim as a victimizer in this thing. The Democrats, what they were listening to, and why uh, uh, some lieutenants in the White House were hooked into this thing, some lower-level guys were hooked into it by the CIA, was that there was some naughty talk between out-of-town Democrats and young ladies down the street. And the CIA had programs that were illegal, and if they got caught, they'd lose their pensions and go to jail. But uh, because they're, they're not allowed to do this stuff in the United States... However, should the White House get the tincture of presidential authorization, which they took to be anybody in the White House, in the CIA's view, if a janitor in the White House gave you permission, well, maybe the president approved it. So that was their motive, uh, uh, to just get the White House to approve these stupid functions, uh, 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 what do I want to say, frolics and detours. Right. Uh, and, and they had been doing it. Watergate was just one of a series of things that they had gotten the White House to authorize. The CIA. Then, the CIA. Mm-hmm. So what we have here is something that is not campaign-related, as the Post would, would tell you. And it was deeply caused by the CIA for CIA purposes. And now what the Post does, although they're genuinely truthful about the evidence against Nixon, they molded, though, as him covering up a campaign uh, program, whereas it had nothing to do with the campaign at all. And that's a big deal, because to this day, 
people assume that Nixon must have known that it must have been Nixon's program because it was a campaign program, and he's the he's the major domo in the campaign, as well as his sidekick John Mitchell, the Attorney General, who went over to run his campaign at the committee to reelect the president. Uh, Mitchell did not authorize this, contrary to what the post. Who said. did authorize it? Well, probably the lowest level guys were uh, White House lieutenants. I say in my book, it's probably, it's definitely Jeb McGruder, a very low-level guy, uh, and uh, John Dean, uh, who was at the time a very low-level uh, lieutenant. So, so they thought they thought they were doing exactly what the Watergate committee and everybody found out that they were doing, basically. They thought they were going in and stealing secrets from the Democrats. No, they thought they thought they were getting dirt on their opponents. They oh, okay, all right. So they thought. See, Dean admits in his book "Blind Ambition" that his way to the top was to get dirt on opponents, and he was a very he had a very overblown title. He was the White House Counsel, but I don't know that he'd ever been met Nixon, and he was just trying to rise through the ranks. But he thought that if he got some democratic dirt on people, uh, uh, that would be great. Now, the only connection to the campaign was that at the time of the campaign, there was plenty of cash around. And he used that uh, as as a way of doing this spy. And paying the burglars. Paying the burglars. Now, the the CIA had been involved in this paper for a while. And and, uh, they liked the idea of this because... It legitimized their entire program, uh, not just the calls from the DNC to the girls, but any other things they were doing with the girls. Uh, they were all legitimized by presidential authorization of this one tap. I think that's their motive. And so and, the, uh, to cut this, the Washington Post then, John, took this information out. They knew it. They knew about it, but they've never acknowledged that they knew about it, have they? Oh, no, they have not. And as a matter of fact, uh, you know, if, if my book gets shoved in their face, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, they're trying to avoid it right now, but they'll deny it again. They'll deny it again. And they'll try to point out uh, me as being a crazy guy. But so, I'll tell you this, you can't read my book, as you know, and think <laughs> No, I, I, I absolutely, you've, you've got, I mean, unbelievable amounts of evidence and different things in there. But let, let me get to this point because we've got a limited time. Yeah. Is it possible to compare what's going on right now with President Trump to Watergate? And how did Watergate, the reporting on Watergate, bring us to where we are today in journalism? Well, yeah, it is quite comparable. Uh, it was a little more difficult in those days. You had to have really skillful reporting to hide all these facts, but they did it. But it's very comparable because they, the idea is you, you lie by omission. Now, uh, did it lead to this today? Yes. The people who lied and deposed the president got Pulitzer Prizes, best-selling books, best-selling movies, uh, untold wealth and fame. Yes, it encouraged it, and everybody since that time has wanted to be the next one word of Bernstein. How does this compare to today? Everybody is focusing, focusing, focusing on Trump and his 
pressure on Ukraine. They're ignoring the other side of the coin, which is why did Trump want an investigation? And this is because the former vice president was engaged in one of the most corrupt programs in history. It was stunning through his son. And, and, and he was enabling his son to do this. And by ignoring all the evidence, and right now the, the, the media is going right along with uh, Adam Schiff, who says it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant what happened in Ukraine. It's irrelevant whether uh, Biden was doing all these things, not just firing a prosecutor, but uh, getting billions of dollars in foreign aid to Ukraine that were siphoned off by corrupt oligarchs. Uh, by uh, helping Burisma uh, recover monies that had been impounded by uh, the British government. Uh, there are all kinds of things that Biden did and Biden enabled his son to do that are being completely ignored. And after all, that's the predicate. It's in the United States' interest. It's not just a hamstring arrival. President Obama said our main interest in the Ukraine is to stop corruption because it's tied to the national security. And that corruption is mainly coming from the oil and gas industry, which is the bread and butter of Ukraine. We have to stop the corrupt oligarchs doing that. Biden volunteered to be the point person to stop the corruption and then became part of that corruption. Now, it also leaked into the, uh, this uh, plot against uh, uh, Trump because uh, Ukraine actually provided uh, uh, dirt to interfere in the 2016 election against Trump. A Ukrainian court found that, that that had happened. And so Trump had a very good uh, policy-based reason to investigate Biden. Now, there's no doubt Biden's his rival. But if you recall, it's about two minutes ago that there was a Russiagate investigation. Yeah. And I didn't hear anybody objecting to that investigation on the grounds that it hit at Hillary Clinton's political rivalry. Rival. It did. But the whole idea is if the, that investigation was adequately predicated, if there was suspicion about Trump, he should have been investigated, even though uh, he's a political rival. So in other words, being a political rival should not immunize you. But yet, uh, by the by, the press only looking at one side of this story again, uh, all of a sudden, what Trump's doing is just uh, investigating a political rival or trying to, and that's of course not the story. But once again, uh, that's what they want to do. And everybody wants to be, and it goes back to everybody wanting to be Woodward and Bernstein again. That's correct. If you can take down the president, you make a lot of money. You're incentivized. You do not make wealth and fame by telling both sides of the story. And it's very shameful. And think about it. We go back the last, what, 40 years, and we can't do anything. We've got to you know, unearth a scandal about the troops in Iraq. Very minor stuff. You know, Abu Ghraib, I know, you know, it's not ideal, but, you know, you have prisoners crawl around on the floor. Oh, it's a terrible thing. Uh, the whole idea is to try to unearth a scandal, whatever it might be, and not tell both sides of the story. Uh, and that's what's the shame of it, is we've got a scandal culture, and it usually it cuts one way, and usually the media uh, has its own narrative, which usually is, is left. Most of the people in the media are left. That's not really the point, whether it's right or left. 
they're not telling both sides. I agree. And, and John, thank you so much. The book is great. I read it. Uh, Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and began today's partisan advocacy journalism. And, John, it's a great book. It's a great read. Um, it's a long read, I must add, but, but it needs to be because it, you go into so much detail. And, and John O'Connor, thank you so much for spending time with you with us and, and the best on your book. Hey, thanks, Joe. Great talking to you. You take too. Take care. You take care. Hey.